Hey guys, welcome once again. This is the construction monk here, walking in the woods as usual. Not much noise today in the woods. I hear some pitter-patter of squirrels, but it's a quiet, calm, fairly warm winter day. <laughs> it's good, man. Anyway, you guys know what we're doing. We're in the middle of a podcast series called Seasons, and we're talking about a, an agricultural mentality in an industrial world. Right, we've, you know, we talked about permaculture. We've talked about um, a providential worldview. Then we've talked about uh, periphery, right? And today we're going to talk about perspective. Remember, I'm doing P's, and the first one was an introduction, um, and I can't remember what I called that one. <laughs> it's a P word too. Hey, it's been a while. Anyway, today we're talking about perspective. Okay. So, like, we're talking about, right, we're talking about different perspectives. But I don't think people often realize how much their perspective of things filters how they view the world. Kind of what we're talking about, right? But we're going to kind of dial into that idea a little more in today's podcast episode. All right. Hey, this is a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. Let's go ahead and get into the episode. So we'll start with a fun little story from my little news feed that pops up from time to time. And it's it's pretty random, my news feed. You know, just kind of more pop culture stuff, right? Mostly. I'm interested in the war in Ukraine. I'm interested in movies that are coming out. And I'm interested in neuroscience a little bit. Any kind of sciencey stuff. Physics, classic mechanics, you know quantum mechanics just a lot of different stuff but so but this one came up from from e-news about julia styles i showed up a couple days ago and it said surprising new or yeah surprising careers that once famous actors and actresses fell into right and i had a picture of julia styles and she was all dressed up and walking and pretty and looked happy well i remembered a couple months ago the same article came up with a completely different picture and title and it was like, see, it had a picture of Julia Stiles, but she was like disheveled and, you know, not put together very well. And she looked older and she just did not look happy. She looked sad. And it was like, see these, see how far celebrities have fallen after their popularity into these, you know, really menial jobs. Right. I saw that and I was like, that's funny. It's funny how perspective can shift even about the same things. We can be looking at the same things through different lenses and see them differently, right? And so this particular thing that these two articles were looking at was the same thing, right? There are celebrities who have you know, fallen out of popularity and they work normal jobs. And one article, though, was like positive, like, it, you know, isn't it cool? It's surprising and, and happy. And then the other one was like, oh... Um, look how these people have really lost their way kind of and just become normal again right so I I thought I was like you know one of these appeals to more positive people who might be interested in just kind of a fun story about celebrities the other appeals to more negative people who are like oh yeah I want to hear the the dirt on these people that used to be famous and then their lives are just normal now (laughs) I thought that's interesting that's the way perspective works um Another way to talk about perspective is culture. So I have my master's in humanities. 
um, a specific focus on cultural studies. You know, I've studied mostly Western culture, mostly the medieval era, a little bit of Greco-Roman history because that's where it starts, and then into the modern era. But, like, culture's kind of my thing. It's like the big picture of how... Uh, human society works and evolves and functions and it's really about perspective, right? What we don't often realize is we have a very refined perspective of the world, right? It's relativized but we operate in this mentality that our perspective is the perspective and in talking with friends you will probably notice this at times because you will notice when other people's perspectives don't align with yours, but you will call their perspective off because it doesn't align with yours, but you will most often treat your perspective as the correct perspective. Now, you know, there's a big push in our society to have an unbiased perspective. That's, I wanna, that's BS to a degree. It's like, yes, it's good not to be egocentric in our perspective and be like, be so competitive and like, well, I know what's right. And we see this a lot of times in social media conversations over certain issues where it's like, well, I have the data and I I belonged to a Facebook chat group, uh, which was called Agnostics, Atheists, and Theists for about a year. And man, I don't think I was ever more afraid to have conversations with people than when I was conversing with atheists because I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say and a lot of anxiety there. But like the one thing I noticed was like between Christians, it was mostly Christians and atheists, between Christians and atheists, they're both using the same tactics. Well, the data says and the science says and you're wrong and you don't really know what you're talking about and the data backs up my view. And you see this politically too, it's right, right? It's like two people on either sides of an issue and both have all the data, both have all the science and both have all the arguments and they have their experts. And it's like, well, who's right? Well, both sides think they're right. And it seems like there's facts to support both sides, right? And the other side, you know, one side thinks the other side's ignorant and they're just cherry-picking facts to fit their um, perspective. That's called eisegesis. Uh, exegesis is when you attempt to read a text for what it really means. Eisegesis is when you bring up perspective to a text and you you kind of are looking for something to affirm what you already believe okay well whether we like to admit it or not to one degree or another we're more in the mode of eisegesis than exegesis most of the time we're viewing the world through a set of lenses and that's not bad you can't have a blank perspective when you come to the world unless you're two years old okay (laughs) More than likely. That's where you start out more blank. But like, you're learning and you're growing. You can't approach everything from nowhere. You have to stand somewhere to have a perspective. That's fine. And that, but that's what we're talking about. That's just reality. You're standing somewhere. Recognize where you stand. Partly what we're talking about. Culture is the place you stand. Where were you born? What country were you born in? What kind of family? What's their ethnicity? What's their history? What's their genealogy? What's their... Um, you know, city, state, country, all that stuff. There's actually seven layers to culture that I've kind of created this layer system. Uh, you could probably add more or have less, perhaps. But I have seven layers of culture. Just a helpful way to also think about this, about perspective. You're carrying around kind of basically these seven layers of perspective in how you view the world and how you've learned how to view the world and what you've learned how to view the world from. <laughs> um, there's individual 
that's just you. There's family, right? Your immediate family. You could also throw in your extended family. That's second layer. Third layer is peer group, right? People at work, people at school, people you hang out with. Fourth level is city, right? It's your broader culture of the city you live in. Then there's the state you live in. And then there's the country you live in. That's six. Seven is the whole world. We could say global. I would also throw in historical global because it's not just current global perspective, but also we're informed by the, a global perspective from the past, right? This is, there's all these layers to culture. It's compounding and it's thick. And sometimes we have a very limited perspective towards perspective. <laughs> we have a very limited concept of our perspective. It's like sometimes we feel like we just popped out of the ground and we just, like, we just see the world right. And how we see the world is right. And there's no filters to how we, how we view the world. Now, you know, if you think about it, like you're looking at the world through your eyes. You're seeing trees. You're seeing grass. I'm in the woods. I'm walking around. I'm hearing birds, right? It's not that we don't look at the natural world and all see the same stuff. It's that we interpret it through our lens of perspective and we determine what it means based on values we already hold, right? Practical example. Um, I'm looking at trees. Loggers would have a different perspective towards trees than environmentalists. And even different than scientists, even different than biologists, even different, even different than herbologists or um, entomologists, right? Like some, got, some people are just like, like they love trees and they may know species of trees. My grandma and my mother both, you know, I was amazed they could like look at trees and tell me, oh, it's that kind of tree and this is that kind of tree. And I'd be like, ah, dude. I can hardly tell the difference between an oak and a poplar. <laughs> they just knew. Then other people are like, oh, I know how trees work, right? More scientific approach. And they're looking at a tree and they're thinking about, you know, photosynthesis and the layers and the rings and winter and summer seasons that create all these aspects to trees. Other people are like, well, I can make a really cool piece of furniture out of that tree. Other people are thinking, man, if you cut all those trees down, nobody's going to be able to breathe anymore, right? <laughs> so Perspective. We're all looking at the same stuff, but we're all looking at it very differently, but we don't often take that into account. That's perspective, okay? Remember, we're talking about an agricultural mentality versus an, versus an industrial mentality and how that's changed our perspective on things. And we've talked about... Um, uh, permaculture, right? Blank for a minute. Permaculture. Right? Like, how do we assess the benefits of a system? And of course, permaculture says, well, it needs to be producing more than it takes to maintain, right? That's just common sense. We should always have that perspective towards systems. And we talked about providential and that the largest system in the world is spiritual, right? Whether you agree with that or not, we're all beings with a body and a spirit. And, you know, it's, it's important to know how God created the world to work. That was providential. Then periphery was more about that mysticism and how to be in tune with God and the importance of understanding there is a spiritual world. 
most of the history of the world and most cultures had some kind of concept of a spiritual world and the things they needed to do to be engaged properly both in the spiritual and the physical, right? And I forgot we talked about politics. I missed that one. But like, how do we think governments should work and, and really, you know, the grounding of society, right? So, man, where we are today, and especially in the Western world, is industrialized, right? Globalists, globalism, and there's all these big picture uh, things we're trying to do as the human race. And there, in, in a good sense, there's this idea that we're all the human race and we all have to share resources and we all have to look out for each other. And the United Nations is very helpful in that sense. So when it comes to layers of culture, we've been drawn a lot more towards the bigger picture than the smaller in some ways. Or maybe we're in the smallest and the biggest in some ways, but not in a lot of the in-between ones. Everyone's in different places, but... We have a much more global sense, which is not bad. We're trying to figure out, like, as I talked with, as I talked about in, in some of the previous episodes, like, good for me, not for you is not good, right? We got to try to understand what's good for everyone. My definition of evil is good for a small group, only good for a smaller group, however small that might be. Well, cultural layers are. There's lots of groups. How do we understand goodness and a beneficial system in light of all these different layers, right? Well, we live at the individual level. That's where we experience the world, right? So here's another thing I want to throw out. We live in objective reality, but we live through subjective experience, okay? So... In, this, in the industrial age, we've come to value objective truth a lot more, okay? We've come, come a lot more focused on objective truth, scientific truth. And we've kind of thrown out a lot of the more philosophically minded, metaphysical, religious perspective, which has to do with meaning and really has to do with subjective experience, okay? You need both. We live in, in an objective world, but we experience it subjectively. That's perspective, you do not experience the world objectively. No person has objective truth. Recognize it. And it's not the point. You are meant to have a subjective experience in an objective world. You should not really be striving overall to be objective in your view of the world in some sense. What you shouldn't be striving to, to do is to be egocentric, to be self-centered. You know, in Scripture, Jesus talks about this. One of Jesus' main teachings was selflessness versus selfishness. And, like, here's where Christianity lands in terms of perspective. It's not, you know, individual or family or peer or city or state or country or nation. It's selfish or selfless, giving or taking. This is where Christianity lands in terms of the gospel and Jesus' teachings. He's like, look, this is the way God made the world to work. God is a giving flow. God is a giving flow of spirit into physical reality. Like God flowed the logos, the word, you know, manifested the created world. So God spoke from his being and from his being, God created the material universe. There was this giving flow that flowed out of God and thus came the material universe. God did not create the universe out of himself 
in order to get something from the thing he created. That would actually be absurd, even on a most basic logical level. It's like, you know, God created this place that's smaller than him in some sense, energized by him in some sense. He doesn't need anything from it, right? So, and the idea in the Christian story is that God created the world, the material universe, for the sake of communion, for the sake of relationship. But really, the center of that is that God wanted to be a giving flow of love to objects of his love. Love is good. God is pure love. That's, these are the teachings, okay? It's not what everybody believes, right? You read the Old Testament sometimes, doesn't look like it. But this is what, this is what the stories, this is, this is, these are the ideas of the Judeo-Christian story, okay? So God's a giving flow of love, right? So Jesus came as a prophet. We've talked about prophets a little bit. Prophets are mystics, right? He came as a prophet saying, hey, you know, even the religion that God founded to try to help people know him has become too egocentric, too relativized in its own perspective towards itself, maybe too individualized, too exclusive, too selfish. It's not, not about taking and controlling. It's about giving. It's a giving flow, right? It's, and it's actually not... It's an objective world that God created, but it's, it's created for subjective experience. God cares a lot about every individual person and their individual experience. This is why Jesus talked about the need for the Holy Spirit to, to be with us in a more full way. Because God cares about our individual experience. A lot. That's subjective, though. So, how do we take this objective perspective or this objective reality and understand it through a subjective perspective and experience? Well, you got to hold it loosely, right? <clears throat> um, Ignatius of Loyal is a guy. He started the Jesuit. I think he started the Jesuits. Yeah. Um, he had this idea called disordered attachment. And he said, basically, that our disordered attachment to outcomes gets in the way of loving God and others and ourselves. Like, the only way to spiritual freedom is to detach ourselves from our egocentric life, you know? So, it's about perspective. The more you detach yourself from the world as it is, and you make it about yourself in the world, the more you center the world around yourself, the more you, are, you try to be your own God, <clears throat> the more disordered you will be in your perspective of the world. You're making it about yourself. Like, you got to step out. You got to step away. It's not all about you. There's all these layers, right? You're one, in, you're one part of a family, which is a part of a city, which is a part of a state, which is a part of a nation, which is a part of a country. You're a part. Understand you're a part. Understand how you are a part of a whole, right? And try as best as you can as a person to own your perspective be in it, but understand it's a part, right? And to live it well, but not to be self-centered in it. Selflessness, not selfishness, right? We're all here as a part to add to the whole. God is here flowing with us. We're here to flow with each other. Um,
looking at my notes. This is what Jesus said. I think this was his first sermon. He preached this in a synagogue. He was kind of beginning his ministry. And this is in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he's quoting from Isaiah. I'm going to jump to Isaiah, but listen to what Jesus says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Like I've come in the power of God with the perspective of God. I've been anointed, right? Almost you could say appointed to give this message from God. Because he says, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. All right? Let's think about this. Freedom for prisoners. And we might think people in jail. No. Like we're enslaved in a lot of ways. We're most often enslaved by a perspective, by a self-centered perspective. We're taking me first. Like this is how we often operate in the seven layers of culture. Me first. Then, of course, I'm going to give some of some from myself or of myself to my family. Then to my extended family. Then I will give some of myself to my peer group. Then I will give some of myself maybe to my city, maybe to my state, maybe to my country, right? We could think of giving in terms of allegiance or loyalty, not just like resources, but, you know, there's different ways we give ourselves to things. But, but we're at the center and we're like, well, me first, you know, and in and, and some ways it's like, yeah, you got to eat, you got to sleep, you got to make sure you're taking care of yourself so you can be a part of the whole, right? But when we're drawing inward... We can become enslaved to our perspective. Well, and we can become fearful, and we could be, you know, we can become engrossed or ingrained in a scarcity mentality. And man, it's not good for me. And if it's not good for me, man, I, I just got to take care of me. Looking out for number one, Jesus is like, that's bad. That's bad. Like, you're you've withdrawn into yourself. Your attachment to the world is disordered. You think it all centers around you. Right? Like you're enslaved in your perspective. So the next, next one is recovery of sight for the blind. Again, Jesus healed blind people, but I think he's speaking metaphorically more so, not exclusively, but he's like, man, perspective is the way we see. Right? Industrial revolution created a shift in how we see, away from God, right? It created a shift towards materialism, and it amazes me that the Western world has produce so much material wealth and yet so much it seems personal dissatisfaction uh, I'm not shouldn't say it maybe in those terms that it has produced those things but it seems like it you know I have friends I know people who've gone on mission trips to third world countries right from a first world country they go to these third world countries where these people live in shacks don't have you know, near as much or anything, yet they're happier. That's not, that's a stereotype. Okay, right? Obviously, poverty is poverty, but there's poverty in America too. But it's like what you learn if you go to third world countries where from a first world and you think you got all these amenities and you think it's better because you have more material goods. What you learn is happiness isn't dependent on these things. It's not how much you have. It's who you are. It's your perspective, right? Um, there can become a mentality of when I get the next whatever, 
then I'll be happy more and more. <laughs> I think I, I uh, bigger, better, right? Talked about that in previous uh, episode from this series, but it's like, well, when I get that next thing, then it's the next thing, and it's always the new and always more, but it never satisfies. Well, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, contentment with godliness is great gain. Like, okay, perspective. Like, whatever you have, if you have enough, if you have your needs met, that's good. Be content. It's not about what you have. Contentment, peace, don't flow from these things. Come from God. Right? That's, what, that's the Christian perspective. That's the Christian story. That's why godliness and contentment combine. Like, if you have a relationship with God and you understand that really all these things flow from God, from the Spirit, then you'll begin to be freed up from the mentality that... Y- you have to have more and more and you have to just look out for yourself. When we're all kind of together in this thing, I think we can make it. Alone, I don't think we will. A lot of people get stuck in themselves and their perspective. And they don't realize how they've been conditioned or how they've been set up in a way through culture, time and place. And also that we are, as Westerners, in a time and place called the Industrial Revolution, or after the Industrial Revolution, at the end of it. We're actually post-modern and post-Christian. But, like permaculture is, well, how are things going? How is it working that we kind of shifted away from this providential worldview and towards a more industrial worldview, a more materialistic worldview, a more naturalistic worldview? How's it working? It's just a physical world, and we're just physical beings, and we don't need the you know, hoodoo voodoo of mysticism to be happy. We're fine. We're all fine. No problems, right? <laughs> well, I think the reality is you can be happy no matter how much you have or how little. But um, I've not, you know, I don't have this data in front of me, but, you know, you look at medium incomes and the middle class, the rise of the middle class in America, and, you know, a lot of people hail the rise of the middle class as the the you know, a key marker of the phenomenon of civilization, right? And like the good results of all that the Western culture has produced in this era, after the age of reason, after the age of enlightenment, you know, into the modern era, like look, more, like more and more people are living well. Well, what's your, what's your measure? Permaculture. How are you judging the systems we live in and their benefits, Right? Is it really better? Are we happier? Objectively, actually, objectively, we are. We should be. Materially. Like, objectively means viewing things in terms of objects. Man, <laughs> I have more objects in my house than anybody probably in the history of the world, even kings. There's a lot of objects. Do you know what I call it? Clutter. Mess. Things I have to pick up every day. I have three kids. My objective reality, full of more and more and more stuff, and yet I can buy still more stuff. It's not making me happy. Sometimes it does the opposite. I have a disordered detachment, or I can't have a disordered detachment to stuff. Objectively, I should be happier because I have more stuff. Because isn't that what makes you happy? I have more. I, you know, my income, as I've started my own business, has risen. Am I happier? Well... I am happier, but not because my income has risen. You know, 
I live in a bigger house than I ever have before. My wife and I purchased our first house for the first time three years ago, renovated it, sold it. Now we're flipping the second house that we're living in. Are we happier? No. Not because of that. Stuff doesn't make you happy. Why are we so stuck in this perspective that objective reality is the thing that our reality is mostly grounded in or should be? Objective truth. Objective truth doesn't make you happy. Objective materiality and consumerism don't bring happiness. Where does it come from? Well, Jesus said selflessness. Like, there's some really cool studies. You, you just Google it, but there's some, you know, scientific studies that are somewhat objective that say people are the most happiest when they're giving of themselves the most. The people that are happy generally are people that have found a way to find meaning through giving and helping. Isn't that interesting? doesn't seem like what we own or possess or, or try to hold on to makes us happy. Like, to a degree, right? As You know, we read in Matthew... I think it's chapter 6, but it says, Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about, you know, the kingdom of God is not about these things. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Right? Where moth and rust, or sorry, treasures on earth, where moth and rust can destroy. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And, like, don't worry about what you need. That's not what life is about. That's what Jesus was saying there. That's not what life is about. Not about the stuff you got. God knows you need that stuff. Don't worry about it. Focus on God. Also, we can grovel at his feet. That doesn't sound nice. No. No. In relationship with God, God is love. God is the source of all things. You know, in one sense, practically, it's like, how, does, how did God order the world? God ordered the world to be focused and centered around relationship. Seven layers of culture. How are you in relationship with those layers? How, what's your posture, your attitude, your heart towards, your fa- towards yourself, towards your family, towards your extended family, towards your peer group, towards your city, towards your state, towards your nation, towards your world? What's your attitude? Is it giving or taking? Is it, screw those people, we're good, or I don't like that party or this political party? Is it inclusive or exclusive? Is it taking or giving? Right? It's not about what you have. It's about what you, it's about what you can give to others in relationship with others because love is a giving flow. Sometimes we're caught up in auxiliary things that don't really bring happiness, don't bring joy, right? Um, Maybe I'll end with this. This is, it's called the Prayer of St. Francis. Um, I've heard a Franciscan specifically say, not written by St. Francis, but it's taken from some of the things that he wrote. But again, it's called the Prayer of St. Francis, so let's read this. Maybe talk about it for a minute and then wrap up. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Thanks, Franny. <laughs> what, what is he talking about? Last, that last part, it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus came to give eternal life. 
there is the goodness of life that comes in, you know, in a metaphoric sense, he's talking about, hey, it's not about you. You'll be, you'll be the least happy when you're the most focused on yourself and getting everything for yourself. Look, man, there's lots of examples here that just look at rich people, not all happy, popular people. Everything we think is the epitome of our society. Very wealthy, extremely popular, extremely well-loved, well-liked, you know, celebrity status. Like, we have this idea. That's the epitome of everything we would want in life. And yet, some of those people can be happy. Some of those people can be extremely messed up. Just the same as anybody else at any other socio socioeconomic level because it's not about those things, right? Like, man, what's our perspective? What are we striving for? Like, are you sacrificing your family and your relationships for material success, wealth, or, you know, popularity, whatever? About yourself, you won't be happy. In that sense, Jesus came to give life spiritually and physically, new life. But like, man, the spiritual stuff can happen now. That's a providential worldview is like, God's here now. God knows how we should be living now. And if we kind of start to lean in and listen to what God says about how we should live, God's like, hey, not about stuff. It's about people. It's about relationship, right? As you learn to give yourself away, man, you'll be happy. Like that's, that's a more metaphoric immediate. But it's like also, man, don't worry about death. It's just a, it's a door into eternal life. That's pretty encouraging. Even physical death isn't something to be afraid of. The more you get in tune with God, the more you realize that death is not real. There's a weight of death over us. But that's not because we die physically. Most cultures, man, if you don't know this, most cultures there was, it was an honor to die in battle. It was an honor to, like, it was a celebration. There was no fear of death because they understood their place in view of God. When you don't have a, when heaven's collapsed in your minds, as Sadhguru, Sadhguru said, then what? It's just this material world and you're just a physical person and man, grab everything you can for yourself and there's no real higher authority for anything and there's no real right way to live either. It's relative. But also it's like there's a sentence of death and a cloud of death hanging over us. That's a, not a good perspective to live under. And it's just a material world and whew, got a hundred years, live it up. But everything about the Christian gospel story says, ah, that's not what it's about. Don't worry, don't worry about death. Just love people and know God loves you. Love God, love people. That's what Jesus said. The greatest two commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He's like, if you do that, everything will be right. And I read that already too, right? Like, hey, man. What if we all turned our perspective around from ourselves and started looking around at the world and going, whew, man. But that's what we're doing, right? This is permaculture. This is, uh, we're making assessments. We're like, man, world's not so great. Uh, I, maybe I got to really take care of myself even more and I got to stockpile food. Remember when the pandemic hit and everybody ran out and got, bought all the gas and the toilet paper? Oh, snap. There's an assessment for you. We're so engrossed in our in a self-interested, egocentric mentality. Nobody was like, man, we need to make sure everybody's okay. No. No bread on the shelves. Man, that revealed something about our culture, don't you think? I think God revealed something about our culture through that. And he was like, you guys, man, if something really went wrong, you guys would not know how to take care of each other and band together. It's not good. It's not every man for themselves. Right? Like, imagine. We need to turn our perspective around. Look at the world. Look at what's going on, man. Like, and then see 
how you can make a difference. Is it the person right next door to you? Like, sometimes we don't act because we think, well, what can I do? Well, good question. There's something you can do. I used to be really nervous around homeless people. My heart would go out to them, but I would be afraid to talk to them. My thought was, what can I do? Then I worked for a charity for two years, and we worked with the homeless and the underprivileged. We gave away free clothes and things, and I started talking with them and realizing they're just people. And the thing they went most is just to be treated like a decent human being, not as a poor person or a homeless person. You know, the food and the clothes were great, but man, there was one lady called, uh, her name was Angie. She loved on people like I've never seen anybody. She was a godly woman, man, but she would get and hug, she would go down and hug these homeless people. What she gave them in that hug deeply, deeply touched them a lot more than food and clothes. They needed those food and clothes. They needed blankets in the cold of winter. Man, that hug, man, talk about untouchables in society. You know, like the first thing you can do is get out of your perspective and and your self-centeredness. Turn around and be like, talk, right? As I said, we're we're having conversations here. Let's just start talking. Like, I think you're wrong. We're just pointing fingers and we're hating on each other. But it's like, have you ever stopped and talked? That person's not that much unlike you. Like sometimes we don't break out, we become so isolated in our perspective, right? So closed off and, and centric in the way we view the world. And we don't want to be around anybody who views it even the slightest bit differently. Right? That's not good. We've got to get out of this. So isolated perspective. It can be hard because our perspective is just our perspective. But the challenge of perspective especially in view of God, is it's a shared experience. And we all live and die together, right? That's his prayer of St. Francis, man. Where you see injury, where you see doubt, where you see despair, where you see darkness, where you see sadness, bring pardon, faith, hope, light, joy. Like, joy? How much does joy cost? How much does hope cost? How much does forgiveness cost you? Well, there's something holding on to grudges. It's not going to cost you. You're not going to... What are you giving up to give forgiveness and joy and to let people know that you care? As I've grown in my love for God and in God, like there's so many things I do probably almost on a daily basis just to bring joy to people, just by noticing them. Man, I love those glasses. Those are cool. Oh, I like your hair. Man, I really love that shirt. Man, I like the way you smile. But you know what? I'm an introvert. was not comfortable with people and it took me a long time to become... A lot more engaging and just to give people a bright light of joy in a moment there's so much we can give to people we have such a wealth of things and yet we're so impoverished in our mentality and perspective what did jesus say blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall see god blessed are the people that understand true wealth in terms of god which is not material It's spiritual. Or you could say, what the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruits of God in you are the things we really want. Subjective experience. Man, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Very subjective. It's about you feeling joyful. You feeling love. You know, not this cloud hanging over you all the time of scarcity. And even though you have more than anybody's ever had in the history of the world, but you never have enough. But how about some joy and love? And how about you change your perspective to understand those are the things you value. 
And you can have those things. It's not materially based. When, the Industrial Revolution has got us so locked into this mentality of it's all about the things you have. And those things will make you happy, but they haven't. And they've clouded over in some ways the fact that it's not about what you have. It's about your posture, even towards those things, but your posture towards people. It's a posture of love, joy. It's a posture of giving. It's a posture of selflessness, not selfishness. I think in some ways the Industrial Revolution has got us hardwired into this perspective of selfishness. And I don't think we realize it, but man, don't you see the world? Don't you see selfishness and an isolationistic mentality so many places? It's because we don't care about the larger world around us as much as we care about ourselves. Well, you know, Christ really said, flip it. Don't put yourself down. But like, when you care about mother, others more than yourself, you'll find that you're happier too and your needs are met. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing about seeking first the kingdom of God and he'll add these other things to you. It's like, you know, it doesn't have to be impractical and like God's going to drop manna in your backyard, but it's like, hey man, why are you here? Yeah, you, you, we all need to eat. We all need shelter. But like, man, make your life about joy and love. And those other things, man, they'll, they'll come. Don't focus on those things. Perspective, man. <laughs> well, you know, you've got one, okay? You've got a perspective. You don't, you're, you're an object, but you're not objective. <laughs> don't objectify. You're subjective too, right? You're a subject of a king, of God. But you're not subject to God. But there's a community is a communal approach where God is just giving himself to you and you can give yourself to God. And in the process, kind of we, we are oriented in our personhood in a way that is a giving flow outward. And like if everybody is flowing outward to everybody else, then everybody is going to be okay. That's the real big picture permaculture system. One of the things that enable culture to span tribe and time and place, it, it, it was able to bond people together across ethnic lines, not always, but generally so. People could find a common ground in God that was able to bring them out of some of the confines of these seven layers of culture that normally existed. And some of that you could attribute to social phenomenon, but mostly I think it's mystical. God is this heavenly father who considers every human child his son and daughter. That's the ground upon which we can find commonality, even when some of the particulars aren't. And that's why it's a balance, right? We're not going to throw out our technology. You're listening to a podcast. I'm recording with some technology. I don't, I don't, not anti-technology, but man, that's not where we're grounded. It's not going to be grounded there. That's a part of things. It's not bad. Industrial revolution and that mentality isn't bad. Technology is not bad. There's a lot of good that's come. But man, when you lose the perspective of God, you lose the thing that combined us together the most. And that's the point of perspective. Hey guys, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. This has been a Construction Monk podcast. God bless you. Amen.